It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. You're not going to have any of those things. What you are going to have is Dr. Paula Price in the raw, that raw passion. So I want to encourage you. It is coming out this month, so be on the lookout for your opportunity to order your book. If you are here in Tulsa in the Congregation of the Mighty, we are going to have books on Resurrection Sunday at church for you to purchase and pick up and have in your hands. I will certainly purchase my copy because I need to be a saint. Devoted. <laughs> Can we be a devoted saint? And it is. It's a short book of poetry. It's, uh, you know, we're so used to the thick anthology, revelation, mind-cracking books from Dr. Price, but this this is comes from such a different, pure, t- uh, all of your books come from a pure place, early place in Christ, and you don't realize until you read somebody else's writings that are not in the Bible. Just how passionate and fiery your relationship should be with the Lord. Not just can be, but should be. He's a living God, very dynamic, and our relationship should be with him. We all have those people in our lives who are just wild. We just say they're wild. They're the life of the party. They're the center of everything. Whenever they come around, the whole room lights up. Well, that should be your walk with God. Whenever you connect with him, things should light up. Okay, he should be the life of your party. He should be the center of your attention. Your attitude should shift. Your mind should shift. All of that should shift when he comes around. But sometimes we need a little help in that because, hey, the Lord is not as close to all of us as he is to some of us. So we can, you know, live by proxy. All right, so you want to stay tuned for that. Follow Dr. Price on our website, www.drpaulaaprice.com. Next up, we have... Last week on the Paula Price show, she went on the nine types of marriage. That was the second portion of the show. And this announcement is relevant to the second portion of the show, which was about marriage. And so she talked about it. It's down. You you can't find it on YouTube. You can't find it on the Facebook anymore because we took it down, and it is now a part of our training program. You can go to Dr. Price's website. Uh, We have here the Dating and Mating Marriage Webinar Bundle. If you want to purchase last week's webinar and watch it online, and when we say purchase, it means you gain access. You actually don't gain possession. (laughs) You gain access to watching it online. And so you can go, and, and, and so it's sold separately, and then also in a bundle. And there are two or three other webinars that Dr. Price had done previously 
about sexified prophecies. Bless God. How people are in bad marriages because of bad prophecies. She talks about uh, monogamy, mania, marriage, all all of it in, in within the three. So I think it's four total, and you will really get yourself together. How many of you have said, man, I wish I had this wisdom before I got married? <laughs> Look, I'm glad I have this wisdom before I got married. I wish somebody would have told me. Well, take all of that language and do something with it. How many of us are walking around saying, I wish I had a mentor. I wish I had somebody to pour into me directly. I wish, I wish, I wish. You do, even if it's this way, take action, put your money where your mouth is, and do something about it because this kind of development is not free, and it shouldn't be free because it costs our apostle a lot to get it. Anytime you get your hands on something great, just know that it costs the person who did it a lot to produce it. Take, take advantage of this while it is available in this format. Who knows what's going to happen in the near future? So don't miss your moment or your opportunity on that. And next, May 4th and 5th, we actually, with Dr. Price, will be in Alexandria, Virginia, with Unleashing Arrested Development Ministries. This is Prophet Lisa Thompson. We are returning back to the Alexandria, D.C. Last time we were in the D.C. area, Maryland area. And now we're going to be in Alexandria, Virginia, May 4th and 5th. We have here... Hard Reset 2019, Restoring the Original Order. Oh, help us, Lord. We need to do that. And so Dr. Price is headlining. Myself, Prophet Adia, Prophet Tala will also be teaching in our respective areas about this theme, the Hard Reset 2019. You can go to Eventbrite, key in Hard Reset 2019 in Alexandria, Virginia. You know, Eventbrite, you need to have the right city. And so you key that in, and it pops right up there for you to get information. Register today. Secure your seat today. If you're in that area, if you're in the surrounding area, if you just like to fly, anytime Dr. Price is showing up, we have people who would just show up all over the country. Wherever she was, they would show up. Then you want to do that. You have time to get your ticket, secure your hotel, and be there because it's going to be a hard reset, but it's going to be on fire. And we're excited. She was on fire last year when she was there. I tell you what, it was something to behold. So we'll be Saturday and then Sunday church service. She's going to light it up and do what she does, and you don't want to miss it. We have our near members who are there. We have our Price University students who are in the area. Those of you who live in New York, Pennsylvania, shoot on over to Virginia, Maryland, Connecticut. All of you show up, and let's represent near. Let's represent our apostle and turn that place upside down for Jesus, of course. And speaking of hard reset, in June, here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you will have, you will see this flyer flying around as well. It is our event, the annual Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute in Tulsa, June 19th through the 22nd. And this year's theme is disrupting the prophets of the pagan age confronting the darkness. This is where we are. This is what we face. And this is how we will take the lead. I'm going to challenge you again to put your money where your passion is, where your desires are, where your heart is, and show up so that you can be equipped to do something about what's going on. Social media, I love it. We use it. We're here right now. But it has often produced passive, aggressive, activity. We think because we post about it that we're doing something about it. 
And that's not enough. You need to come. You need to be equipped for what God is, is raising you up to do, raising us up to do, amassing this army together and going out and confronting the darkness, slapping some statements out there on social media is a piece, a piece of it. But we're talking about we have to institutionally confront this. We have to get into the high places and make change and disrupt the prophets of the pagan age because they have disrupted us. And it's time for us to return the favor. Don't you think that's right? We need to return the favor. Also, in this event, multiple things are going to be happening. First of all, we have uh, Prophet Hakeem and Naeem Collins. They will be with us doing what they do. Jeff Sievers, who is a talent scout and agent, he is in that arena. And he knows the darkness, and he knows what type of, of talent and how he's going to give us strategies on how to confront the darkness in those areas. Of course, our chief prophet, Tala Price, and, of course, Dr. Paula Price will be in this event in June. It's a lot of power. And, and I'm not just saying power like people falling out. Falling out does happen. Worship does happen. Okay, it happens. You fall out of your seat when they're teaching. You're like, I'm out. Somebody. Somebody. What I love about our events is we have high worship, high praise, personal prophecy at the end. It's usually at the end. And then uh, the teaching, all of it is so concentrated because we're so conditioned to think that either you have a high spiritual move or you have an intellectual one, and the two really can't meet. But here you find the high places. All Your brain goes up. Your spirit goes up. Everything goes up. You feel like it's blowing out. People come and they say, I haven't slept since I've been here. I go back to my room and God keeps talking to me. And you build new friends, new relationships. You don't walk around lonely and sitting off in a corner unless you just really want to, at which point we still come and get you because that's not how we do things here. No, no, we are a collaborative, and in collaboration can be friendship. So uh, we want you to come and join us Wednesday. We kick off Wednesday evening with our prophetic company, the Near Global Prophetic Company, Ordination. It's going to be at the Congregation of the Mighty. We will be ordaining prophets and also inducting ministers and prophets into the training, as well as graduating students from Price University. So we have a lot going on. In November, we have our commissioning. In June, we have our ordination. So you don't want to miss that. If you were here in November, then you know the way we roll is like nothing you have ever seen before and the way God shows up. So we're going to move through the event Sunday after TPTI, which is what we call our event, at the Congregation of the Mighty in the afternoon. We are going to do after church baptism. For those of you who are our online members and you said, hey, I want to be baptized into scripturally organic, culturally unmodified. Look, if you're coming to the event and you just want to be baptized into scripturally organic, culturally unmodified, you need to indicate that. I think they can indicate that on Eventbrite that you want to be baptized. And we will have a baptism service at our church. We did it last year. It was amazing. And, and this year we know we're just going to keep building upon that for what God is doing. And then finally, this week's audio archive of the week is Envy and the Evil Eye, Part 1. <laughs> Selah. These messages from the early 2000s and the late 90s blow my mind. And they blow my mind because 20 years later, you can see how this is where the book started. 
in this message. This is where the anthology, the program, the success center, biblical psychology, you can trace. What I love about you, Dr. Price, is you can trace her doctrine for years and years and years. And sometimes you want to cry about how long it takes you to break out and get big and all those things, and we cried. So I'm not saying it wasn't us. It was us. But with that, God allows you and forces you to finish a line of thinking. Because there are some people who are out there for a message. All they have is one good message. All they have is one good book. But then there are those of us who are called to make change, to establish a new order. New era is a new order of doing things. And, and we have, you know, thrown some of these terms around so casually. And, man, they make great uh, slogans and mottos for conference. Yeah, I'm going to go with that because we restoring the order. We take it down. We marching on this. And, but in the end, what happens? Nothing. Nothing. Afterwards, it's hype. It's excitement. It's good. It's relevant to the moment, but it doesn't really change anything. And so if you are called to be a change agent, this is a new order. We talk about the order of Melchizedek is what we're learning about, the order. You might want to study what that actually means. When you're called to bring in and usher in a new order and remove the old one, we talk about, hey, it's a changing of the guard. It's a paradigm shift. We don't know what we say. We don't know. And whenever you're the one who has to do it, that means it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. But the while, you know, and then your time has come. So her time has come. But saying all that to say that when you are called to be that person and not the person who is known for that song, that message, that book, but actually the one who brings in and ushers in a new order and establishes it, you have to be able to trace where that came from, and that doesn't happen overnight. So even in this message about the evil eye, envy and the evil eye, first of all, you're not ready. So go on and download it now after the show. You have another technical device. Click, download, set your soul free. She talks about soul of success things back then in that message about how to protect your deliverance. We don't want to talk about protecting your deliverance. We're in love with being in line and having somebody slay us and then getting up and coming back six weeks later to be slain again. So we're in love with that, how to protect it, how to know when recognize envy in action. I promise you it's not what you think. I had to remember I was editing in this message because I wanted to just lay back myself and be like, ooh, I'm on the work table today. I'm on the work table today recognizing that envy, recognizing how it manifests in your physical body, what organs and ailments and things can show up because you're envious in the soul. She says in this teaching, and I was done, but I couldn't be done because I had to finish doing the job, but I was done. What she said in the message about when you say out of your mouth, well, that's just me. Well, that's just me. Well, that's just how I am. Well, that's just how God made me. That's a statement of envy. Now, you need to buy the download to find out why. Whoo! Because that's the default setting. When you don't want to change, when, when you don't this, and when you don't that, and when you're rivaling yourself even against the Lord himself. Well, that's, I don't know. That's, that's just, well, maybe that's just me. That's the way I see it. When you start using those terms, she breaks it. This is not me. Okay, this is her. And she says in the beginning, I'm going to hurt y'all today, so get your Kleenex and get your Ben Gay. What she said. <laughs> and then in she said, I told you to get your Kleenex, didn't I? <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in my office. Yes, she did. I have some in my desk. Let me get in my drawer. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, when it's good, because you thank thanking God and you're crying. You're like, oh, 
it's me. I didn't think it was me. It's me. Yes, that's when you're really being set free. When you can say it's me and I didn't think it was me, that's when you're being set free. Because it's not the obvious devil. It's not always the obvious one. So those are the things we want you to plug into right now. Right now with Dr. Paula Price, www.drpaulaaprice.com. I don't have a flyer for this, but I do want to announce it because it's on Eventbrite. Starting this month, the second Sunday of the month. Woo, she's bringing back Let's Just Talk. What is Let's Just Talk? Well, actually, a lot of these audio archives are all Let's Just Talk. But Let's Just Talk is when we came together Friday night, and people came from all over the place in Tulsa, uh, and sometimes even outside of Tulsa, Friday night, excuse me, to Dr. Price would bring up a short, actually maybe 30-minute talk. Now, I thought they were messages because I was taking notes. She was talking. I was taking notes. But like a 30-minute talk. And then she would open it up for Q&A with the audience. Well, she's bringing that back. And so we are having Let's Just Talk Soul Sundays. And we're going to talk about the soul. She's going to break it open, and you can bring your questions. If you purchase the Soul of Success Heart Clinic, then that's just the beginning of what she is all about and what she can do. So we want you to plug in. So it's the second Sunday, 3.30 in the afternoon. We're opening it up to the community. It is free, free. What is it? Free. Because let's just talk with free. And we want to feed the community. It's our give back, right? Mm-hmm. We're giving back because, you know, we're giving back. So Sunday afternoon, 3.30, 3.30 to 5 is the time frame. So you can get in. We can get that. Dr. Price will have already preached a sermon. So if you need a church, come on the 10 a.m. service and get your word on. And then come back at 3.30 to get your soul on <laughs> and get a heal what's left <laughs> from church. And so we want you to do that. We want you to come, bring your friends. If you're a leader of another church, if you belong to another church, you can just skate on through. Nobody's going to harass you and beat you at the door to join our church. We're not, this is not some undercover campaign for anything else. It is Let's Just Talk Soul on Sundays at the Congregation of the Mighty. And I'm telling you what, you're going to talk back. Oh, Those were the days, boy. People want to know, how did you grow so fast? How did you guys, because Dr. Price was always teaching us, especially back then, always. There was midweek prayer. She was doing midweek prayer. You know, we were babies, so we couldn't hold down anything. (laughs) And despite her greatest efforts, she was the only one who could get anything done. So she was preaching on Sunday, laid us out. After church, every Sunday, she laid hands on us, which is why we have prayer every Sunday at the altars open. The ministers pray for you at the congregation of the mighty. She was casting out devils for like five years. I mean, I'm telling you, it was like, okay, okay, okay. And we were considered good church girls. I found out we weren't. You think you're clean? You're not. It's all relative to how clean the thing is standing next to you. You think you're white as white until you're standing next to something ultra white and you realize you're a little dingy, a little dirty. Got caught up with a little pink something in the wash that you didn't know was there, turned everything a different color. Yeah, that was us. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> she did that. Midweek prayer is when I learned I didn't know how to pray. Praying with Dr. Price, you find out, I don't know how to pray. I don't even know if I can pray. God, are you hearing me? Maybe that's why it's taking so long for my stuff to get through. <laughs> so you learn how to pray with somebody who can really blow the heavens open. We have Friday, let's just talk every Friday night. And then we had rehearsal Thursday night with 
Dr. Price, hello, every Thursday, like three hours, four hours, ten hours, I don't know, it felt like forever, but she worked this every single week, so we had a lot of impartation. A lot of you are crying out for change. The process is just taking so long. It's, you have to plug in and stay plugged in. You have to invest. Again, social media has made it very easy to kind of catch a lot of messages and think you're being changed and you're not. You're following your top five ministers. It's like the perfect storm. Yes, I can listen to Bishop Dustin Watt and Apostle so-and-so and Prophet Yeah, and you can cherry pick and have your schedule rolled out. And you know what? It's no different than watching a whole bunch of TV and walking away and not being changed. At some point, you're going to have to anchor down with somebody and commit to the journey. I challenge you today to commit to the journey with us, partner with us. And commit to your journey of success, your journey, your soul of success, your ministry of success, your heart of success, your life of success, your salvation of success. Can we be saved successfully? Hallelujah. You know, because because it's, it's you. It's you. She's hot over here. She's hot over here. But I'm excited about what we're doing here, and I want you to be excited, too, and to not miss a window and an opportunity. How many times do we hear people say, I prayed to God, I asked him, and because we want a huge sign, some huge wonder, I don't know, a billboard to show up outside of our window to say, follow Dr. Price, go to Price University. You know, I've been praying about it for six months. Why? Why? Go to school. If you know that this is the place with the answers that you need, then just do it. I'm praying to God about coming to TPTI. Right. Save your money like anything else you want to do, like a vacation you've been saving up for. Take time off of work. Find babysitters for your kids like you would for anything else that you thought was non-negotiable. At some point, your destiny has to be non-negotiable. At some point, doing what it takes to get there has got to be non-negotiable or else you always be in that vacillation and a minor breakthrough and then a big setback and then and then you're with us and then we don't and then you get a breakthrough and we don't hear from you for 9 months and then you come back all busted down and you what do you say I should have just obey God I should have just went to class let, let's let's eliminate can we make 19 2019 the year of no regrets by just simply obeying God most regrets are because we've been disobedient to the Lord not because he didn't tell us because we didn't do it not because there wasn't a prophet, but because there were too many prophets, and we didn't know which one to pick from. <laughs> it's true. These come-homers here, they said, my destiny is no longer negotiable. People who have joined us online, and they're, maybe they're not, you're not ordained to move to Tulsa, but you are ordained to be members, even online. My destiny is not, is not negotiable. I'm here. I'm in it because I told God when he sent me a solution, I would stop playing around. And this is the year to stop playing around with God's solutions. Windows close. Doors close. Opportunities move on. And we have taught, unfortunately, a very bad doctrine that until you feel good about it, you don't have to do anything to obey God. And there's just no precedence for that anywhere in the Word. Anywhere. There but there is an apostle in the house. And I just want you to know that she's finally getting her act together. <laughs> hey, this tier chief apostle has been pressing, pushing, and producing. And when you do that, man, I tell you. And, and let me, I'll talk about you for a minute. Said she brought it up. Um, she didn't bring it up, but I brought it up. Okay. People like to push for a season. 
not a lifetime. I'm just going to push to get this thing done. Woo! Oh, Pastor, you need to pray for me. Wow, that's a big push. I need three years off. Because <laughs> that's the way you with God. Like, we push out one child, one project, usually late, usually five or ten years late. And they talk about you need three years off or you want God to run with it. And he's like, let's go. You know where we are right now in this organization? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. He's been telling us to do certain things for five years, ten years. Time's up, and you got to do it all at once. It's like having with the Optimum. You have babies all at once. And when you have them all, you have all multiples at once. You cannot pick and choose which one you feed, which one you don't, which one you hold, which one you don't, and leave. They will take them from you. And so she has been pushing and pressing for over 30 years. Most people do not have that kind of commitment or discipline or resolve or flat-out stubbornness. I just want to be dark first, like I won't be defeated. I mean, you can make some things all highfalutin and spiritual and religious, and or you could just say, but I'm not going to give the devil that. I'm not going to give him that. We switching? We're switching. Well, you know, I just want you all to know, <coughs> am I near? Am I home? Am I welcome? Yeah, we're, we're moving over to you, and I'll switch out this. Okay. Yeah, you do that, and yeah. you see how what I'm doing works. You know, I appreciate her. And, and, you know, the Bible says that a person is valued by what others say of them, meaning that there is that time when it is critical and it could be, it is critical and it could be, you know, uh, people have ulterior motives, but not every ulterior motive is evil, wicked, or malicious. But I appreciate my team. It's like a parent, when your children grow up, you appreciate what you say. The Bible says that the that, that um, you know, Proverbs 31 woman, her children spoke well of her. Mm. You know, her husband spoke well of her. her. In other words, others also acknowledged what she did. So, yeah, this was a long journey. I will not kid you. And I'm just coming out of the thicket, just, just after all of these years. And, and it wasn't until God informed me that I was carrying an entire move institution, education, new era, changes, you name it, I was carrying it. When he informed me of that, then I understood that, okay, so, um, you know, this is how it goes. This is, this is how it goes. I, I decided that you should know who I am. You know, people come online and they're like, I don't know who this woman is. And so, um, but I decided that when I started saying I was going to do this, People kept asking me, I don't know how you keep getting back, getting up. I don't know how you keep standing. I said, I didn't get in it to quit. I got in it to succeed. Amen. And see, it, it, you know, things don't end wrong. They start wrong. So if you start your ministry on the wrong foundation, motives, or whatever, you aren't going to finish it the way you, way you envision it because you're starting it for reasons that don't have enough power to keep you motivated, to push you onward, to give you perseverance and stamina. And trust me, when she said it was it, the lion's share of my ministry, I say this, because this is in fun now, hallelujah, but the lion's share of my ministry was me doing it all. I did my own typing. I did my own editing because nobody was doing it. Because when you are new, the present won't help you. When you are new, the present won't help you. See, and it's not because it hates you. 
it's because it is comfortable with what it's doing. Some There's a little bit of hatred, you know, hey, that happened. And there's a little bit of envy and resistance. But most of the time, they're guarding what they've done. So you're going to these churches, and you want to, you know, you want to bring that new thing God told you in the prayer closet. And they're like, that's not my assignment. And not every assignment is for now. Also, not every assignment is for where you are. So I would go to these Bible studies. They didn't hear me. I was like, uh, uh, you know, and I would, and, 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 uh, every now and then a deep saint or those mom. I love those old mothers and those, those seasoned bishops, you know, the ones that no changes on the way. See, there are some people who are Anna and Simeon, and only Anna and Simeon are going to know that you are called to the future. Oh, I'm telling you, we're going somewhere today. Anna and Simeon are going to know you are called to the future. Everybody else is going to be irritated about you upsetting their past, their journey, their present, their hopes, their dreams, trying to delay their harvest a little further. You know, but Anna and Simeon, you have to, if you're called to the future, you have to, you know, we've talked about David, we've talked about Saul, and uh, we've talked about our Deborahs and all of that, because I do all of that, but I want you to know that I needed Anna and Simeon. I never got them. Not because I wasn't looking, but because what I had was so new. And by the time you get into the adolescence of your assignment, and it's moving into adulthood, you have got to hope that God puts people around you. So I had folks a couple of folks, a, a handful of folks, almost a couple, that isn't true, a handful of people who got it, but they weren't for my future. They were just to affirm me in the present for the future I'm called to. And people tried. I mean, I had some wonderful folks try, and they couldn't get it. I remember my mother, one of the two mothers in the Lord that I had, both of which have long since gone home to be with the Lord, and they both said, um, honey, we need what you have. And they had tried. They literally tried. One of them was, I mean, a major uh, theological scholar, great woman of God. I mean, she, I mean, she was amazing. She was the woman that told me I needed to have a, a, a glossary. She said, frankly, you need a dictionary, but you do need a glossary. Well, of course, I'm new. I can't see me doing a dictionary. Come on, God. What are you saying? And then the other one is just, she used to call me baby all the time. And she said, now, baby? <laughs> I just used to love it. I would just pick out it just to hear baby. She said, now, baby, you have got to do what God says for you to do. You don't understand. Woman mentored me in pragmatism. She was practical. See, not all of your mentors are, uh, you know, comprehensive. Some of them are academic. Some of them are prudent. Some of them are wisdom. But you have to know what mentor is. And some of them pass through your life. They didn't mind them pass through my life. They actually died. Uh, the first one went, I mean, oh, my God. She, uh, she, as a matter of fact, here's the interesting part. My first mentor was Free Will Baptist. Theologian, had a university and everything. And I never forget, we met because she had, I was on tele, television in Jersey, and she said, God, I'd like to meet that woman. And they had a, a, an event, a conference or something in Newark, and I was there, and she came in late. And when she came in late and she was putting herself down because she was an older woman, and she was settling herself down, and she turned around and said, <gasps> and she was stunned. I was speaking when she walked in the door. Sometimes you just need to ask. That's how we met. So after that, 
she came, she said, she came up to me, and she's one of the counselors or something, and she came up to me, and she says, I asked God to meet you, and here you are. I'm surprised from that moment on. She said, you know, obviously, let's, let's do lunch or something. And so we met. And so after we met, she took me, she was I'm talking about prayer, she took me to her house. And we, you know, we just started meeting and talking. And so she said, um, we started praying. Well, I was new. I didn't know then that you didn't, you didn't bring out the, the big gun tongues for a while. <laughs> I brought them out. Oh, uh. and so I just started praying. And when I started praying, she just looked at me, you know, because I was in and I noticed I was by myself. <laughs> I was in. And she looked at me. And she's looking, and she's just grinning, but not doing anything. So I just asked. She said, "Well, we were taught you don't pray until the Spirit come upon you." I said, "Well, He never leaves me, so I guess I can pray always." And I, but boy, I went there, and so eventually I kept praying because I thought we got to break this. Next thing I know, she's praying. She still leaves me. Holy Ghost all on her, tears running down her face. She's praising God. I'm gone. I mean, I'm out. Nobody's. I just slipped out. The woman was like. So she talked to me later. She said, I haven't prayed like that in years. She asked her, you need to hear my sermon for last week, I believe it was, when I talk about them tongues. Yeah. And that the, you know, I got so much going on. But anyway, so I prayed with her. And I want you to know, after that, she wanted me to come over every day. She fixed me stuff, and she prayed. But she was also a, um, a, a, a doc, she had a doctorate in theology, so she was also training. And some of those you know, because people ask me about that backstory stuff, you know, where you get it. Uh-uh. When, if you say God raised you up, you better know you weren't raised up on an island. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul had to go to the 12 apostles to get some of those things, and then he got God. So she was great. And I, I mean, so we used to meet once a week, and I would just talk with her and visit with her, and she'd just tell me, and she would say, now, baby, honey, Paula, because she, she was real uppity. Often it was like, you know, dear. The other one was like, baby. So I had a little on both ends, you know. And uh, and, and so, uh, so she would take me in, uh, into her library. Her library. Oh, my God. I just, even to this day, you know. And so she took me to her mentor. This is interesting. She took me to her mentor who was blind. And so her mentor literally crushed me. And she said, this is not ministry. I mean, this is just ministry. You just got yourself a cute little training center. This is not God. This is not theology and whatever. So meanwhile, my mentor was like furious. And so we're going back home. And she said, honey, if she's not for now, she can't understand it. And essentially, she said, you go on. She said, because none of us have what you have, even though we won't admit it. And so she encouraged me because I probably, if, if I had met that woman first, I probably would have given up everything because I was writing in my school program, and she just loved the curriculum I was dealing with and developing because she was a great woman in God. She did a wonderful thing. And so to see, and I'm just this, not, this little newbie, and I'm saying I'm, I'm like the, the brilliant baby. I'm breaking stuff. <laughs> I'm slashing stuff. I'm running, yanking, tearing pages out, books and carrying on. And, uh, and I remember the last thing she said to me was, you know, dear, she said, um, there are things they took out of the Bible. Well, again, I'm the big baby. Don't tell me because, see, some of y'all like that. The people can't give you wisdom because you're too busy working your little witness. And so she said, don't tell me. And I went on because of words. And she said, 
She was so patient with me. She said, dear, as you grow older, you will learn. She said, and you'll be able to hear. And she said she just hoped that she was going to be around to do it, to be there. And so she was the first one. The other one didn't come for several years after her death because, you know, most of you all think I don't know what it's like to lose a mentor. It is a horrible experience to lose a mentor, one that's good, because you feel like a portion of your soul is ripped out. And I remember wishing I had done more for this woman, wishing I had, I, I just kept wishing whatever, because I missed her, that sweet voice that always calmed me, and no matter what happened, she could bring me back. And so she loved my family. My family loved her, sweet lady. And then the other one, she was the warrior. I had, you know, see, that was the academician, and then I had the warrior. And she was a prophet, and she was a warrior. And I mean, this woman, if I called her name, half of you all would know it. And so this woman was, she took care of me, and I said, um, I said, because I don't really didn't want any more mothers in the Lord, but I said, but you know what? This woman had something. She explained the spiritual side. She, she did the dynamic. This woman could walk a neighborhood and turn it around. I was excited, you know, so she and I, we did that, you know, and she'd always say, now, baby, I used to, that thing tickles me. She was the one that told me the powers I had. She said, you have this, this, and so she was the one who told me what I could do. At that time, it was like, you know, how something new, it's a little spurt. You know, a little bit of fire now and then, and eventually I grew into it. She told me the powers I had. She talked to me about this time I had written the dictionary. She talked to me about where I was going, and she painted the backdrop of my path to destiny so that I could always know what I, where I came from and say where I was. And she, she was another one. Don't change. No matter what happens, don't change. Let the Lord do what he does. You will be different. Those who are for it will get it. Those who are not won't get it. And all of your explaining, <clears throat> he said, she said, and all of your explaining and changing to, into what they want won't satisfy them. They will keep changing you till you're gone. So she would tell, baby, no, we pray. Now, that sister could pray. I had to climb a little bit to get with girls because she could pray. And it didn't take her long to get a prayer through, did not take her long to get anything happen. And I remember, I'm young, so she is feeding me, and she still says, but baby, I can teach you all of this, but what you have, I've never seen. And she said, I'm so-and-so years old, and I've been in the church running in some of the big, and I've never seen it. Now, I'm still thinking, I don't know what I have. (laughs) I was like, these are and women and giants. And I was like, so what is it I have? And see, that's what I understood about wisdom later. Wisdom has to have a connection. It has to have a platform connection. So in the Bible, it says, if you have wisdom, you will recognize wisdom. If you have wisdom, you will receive wisdom. You will discern it. You cannot discern wisdom as your first knowledge intake. Because that knowledge has to be trapped. Are you all following this? Yes. So, um, and, she, and so she would travel when I moved here. To, she was the one that told me when I moved here to Tulsa, she said, your powers are going to change when you get to Tulsa. You're going to be able to do this. She prophesied that stuff that I, one, two, three. My team, if I allowed them, can tell you what I'm talking about. But she prophesied. She said, now your powers are going to change. She said, you're going to have a high seat in land. You're going to be able to move that land. Now, a lot of people have not a clue. I'm this little woman that's over here in some little corner in Tulsa. 
But the powers that be did. My daughter always laughs and say, the year I landed in Tulsa, we had 78 tornadoes. She thinks it's funny. And so, <laughs> and I'm, the next year, and see, I was scared of all 78 of them. The next year it came, and I was like backing that thing down. Not here. I remember sitting with somebody, some prophet came to somebody's church in town and prophesied that we were going to have a massive earthquake. Was it earthquake? Yes. Earthquake. And I stood up and said to the powers that be, I dare you, we will not. I promise you we will not. Because she had already given me all of that. And see, sometimes you are so busy looking for prophecy for entertainment, you don't allow the prophecy to develop you and produce you, you produce in you what was said. See, I took her at her work because the woman kept telling me about my life. You're going to write these many books. You're going to write a book to do that. Matter of fact, you're going to write a book on another thing and on and on and on. And so she would do that. See, you all have them prophesiers. I have prophets. See, because I, I, I don't run on a prophesier's word. When I know all you do is run from place to place and just prophesy, unless God tells me otherwise, I'm pretty much going to know that you're just doing palm tricks. Because a prophet's word cannot fall to the ground unfulfilled. And so, that, and, and not only that, a real prophet is going to do more than predict. See, I know that there are prophesiers who can do more than predict, but not a lot. But that prophet occupying that office can do, well, has to do more than predict, because that prophet knows that they're speaking the word into darkness, and it's not just environmental or climactic. See, that prophet is speaking into dark, darkness the way somebody has to put a long needle into fat. It's got to get through all of that to get to the organ. And so, and so she would, she just would tell me all of these things, and she tell me all of the books I was gonna write. She told me that I was gonna have this, and then she let me know the season. I wish I'd have listened to that part, but you know we were at the good news era, and so yeah. she told me the season that it would take, that it would be a while for me to come into my own, because God had to give me all that He was delivering to me, and all that He wanted me to understand. So when this, when this, when this man stood up in a luncheon and said. This prop- First of all, I think this is weird that people do that. Like you get prophets of prophecies of calamity and you stand up and you're proud to pass it on. Do you know the calamity is not going to sidestep you? I push, I'm like, we, we were sitting at the table, me and the prophets. I was like, not so in the name of Jesus. This is my, t-. no. And I'm telling you, God moved to kill that prophecy. And he did it because I am an official in my seat. My station, my seat, my jurisdiction is the state of Oklahoma. So I don't care what anybody says. I fight back. The, yes, I do. And they tell my people will tell you if they if I allow them. God honors that because we. I'm not dealing with this as if it's aesthetic. I don't deal with this as if it's it's um, abstract. I deal with this as if it's more concrete than the world world that we're in because it is the world that brought that makes this world brick and mortar. And I understand that. But some of you, I know. So my, I had good training in those early years in those kinds of elements, academic things, how to do that, theological studies and all of that. That's my first mother. And she would say, now, honey, maybe you want to do this. And I would go, no, here's a joke. I'd go and write stuff out like she told me, and I'd ask her to look at it. And she said, well, since God gave you something different, I'm just going to look at the technical stuff, grammar, things like that. But she was very instrumental and helping, giving me the guts to write and giving me the guts to put down what God told me. I just wish that I had had her older 
Some of you all, you have older mentors and you're young and you're so busy trying to prove yourself, you're buck wild. You should go in there, you're going to correct them because you think you're the new and the new is better than the old. And so you're, you, don't, you don't shut up. You sit there. There are a lot of people who sit in my presence. I never say a word. You know why? Because I don't have to. They got the conversation going. <laughs> they just talk, 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 talk. And if I start something, they cut me off. So I'm going to let you cut me off twice. After that, I'm not going to talk. I don't have to. And so my people know that. <clears throat> they, they know. Now, now, either I'm going to sit and you're going to train me or I'm going to train you. And you're going to train me on that which you do not know. And I'm going to train you on that which I know. So we have to figure that out. So um, I was like, um, when she talked, I would just sit there. And she said, I would sit there listening to her because she's giving me all of this historical stuff, you know, Augustine and all of this stuff, you know, uh, Plato, Aristotle. She, the girl could run it. And so she's giving me all this stuff, and I'm learning. This is great. She said, but I need what you have. She said, because that's done away. That's, 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 she said, that has to do with humanity. I want to know about God. I want to, I want to know about Jesus. I want to do that. And I said, um, okay, because I'm thinking I'm interested in what you're saying. And she would shut up. And she would now. She said, now talk to me about what God said to you here. Talk to me about what you're writing. Talk to me about what you're because I could run that Bible. And she said, see, that we need because that's what's going to keep us. My other mother in the Lord, whom I just really, she's just so tough. And I, I remember when she was dying, that thing broke my heart. I said, man, not again. Come on, Jesus. But anyway, she would do the same thing. She said, but I want you to share with me. Now, I mean, she was a staunch, a flat-footed prophet, and that's how I understood it. That's how I began to know. And I'm saying to you today, <clears throat> those were my humble beginnings. And then after that, God didn't give me anymore. He just didn't. Other people tried, but most of the people that I met wanted to put, keep me in my place, match wits with me, and prove that what I was doing was contrary to what was prevailing. And they're right. It was contrary to what was prevalent in the day. But they couldn't see the future in me. They just couldn't. They could see the ability, the uniqueness, but they couldn't see the future. Your mentor, your leaders must be able to see your future and see the future in you. And if all they're talking about is learn what they say and learn what they do and do it their way, and it's in this present time that's already deteriorated, then you need to be a little concerned. You just do. So after that, I really did not, um, did not have enough. I mean, I had various people come along the way, speaking to my life and whatever, but none of them spoke into my development, my, um, my gestation for the future. Because you have to be able to speak. I can speak into my people's gestation. This is where you're going. Okay, God is shifting you here. Okay, look, I said to uh, Apostle Ashley, um, who, she's probably the easiest one that I've had because her mother raised her very, very differently. And so she is like, you know, plus she's very hyped on God. I mean, Ashley was the person. We gave her uh, a title, ordained prophet. She went right on the Facebook. I am now the ordained prophet. I'm, uh, I am Prophet Ashley can put a title up there proudly. Everybody else is like Saul. I'm gonna wait a little bit and see if it takes. You know, Saul didn't go to the to the um, capital for two years, waiting for it to take. He had to explore it, feel good, see if everybody was gonna approve. So he was polling and all of that. Not her. I give her something. She's gonna run with it. Back then, especially, you know, like she said, I didn't know anything. So I just did it. <laughs> and so I said to her after she got a commission as an apostle, I said, Now listen. God says you are going to do a series on, what is it? Apostle and teacher? 
And the second one that you just got? Oh, single, satisfied, and Single, satisfied, and whole. Now, she, most people say, well, I have to think about it. I'm going to go pray about it. Not her. She went, got the location. She went and connected to people. That's what I mean. See, I, I spoke into that gestation because I knew what was gestating in her. I knew where God was going. And see, one of the reasons I knew God could do it because she's one of the few people I have ever seen who is unmarried, who didn't complain, who didn't whine. She, I mean, now what she did with her friends, I don't know. But she never let it be known that she was miserable in her singleness. Never. I never take nothing. And then when we made her an advisor, she started having to help so many marriages, she got stronger still. And so I never heard her. She never was one of those that say, I got my little wedding book in the back, and so I'm ready. All I need is a man. She was never there. She was like, I'm good at what I do. I thank God for it. And when Mr. Wright comes, he'll come. But she made, I always tell people, she made the statement that stunned me. And she said, but I'm good to my husband now, and I haven't met him. I said, yeah, you got a handle on this thing. Because she said, if I'm ever going to be good to him, it's not going to be after I've done everything else. She said, I'm good to him now. I'm pure today. I'm convinced today. I'm mature today. So God, when she gets commissioned, what does he say? Go out there and make more like you. You have to see it. You, you, see, you have to see it. But when, when you can respond to your mentor with that kind of quickness, and it's not easy. Because many times, you know, you have to go through the season of do they know what they're talking about? Is God talking? And then you got all of this church ilk. You know, is it God or are they flesh? Is it bananas? Is it candles? Do we know? You know, maybe she ruined some crystals in the background. Mm-mm. Never had that with her or these other women. They were serious. It's just that she's been in my employ longer. But these other women, uh-uh, she was like, uh, no, I'm, I don't need that. Now, you know, that's not to say that you don't have the development. I'm looking forward to attending her event because you know I'm attending, right? Because I am the apostle. Yeah, I am the chief apostle and I'm her mama. And so I'm going to attend it because I want you to understand, well, the reason God put her, gave this to us, that one statement I just gave you. She said, I'm good to my husband now. I don't have to meet him. I don't have to date him. I don't have to mate him. I already know the kind of wife I want to be, and not just a bride. Most of you all got your bride laid out. And so she's, gonna, she's doing that, but I use that as an example of me understanding what God was gestate, is gestating in her. And then we gave her the apostle of the future. This woman, if she already, she, she took her little, um, what do you call it? I use her this as a model, not as, an, as, as the standard because I got different people doing different things. But she took she got her apostleship. She was ready. She got all her books. You know how when you finish a training, you put your books away? She didn't. She laid hers out and say, now, what am I going to do with this? Understanding God's gestating something in you. He's incubating it. He's growing it. And you need the right person to speak into it and to speak on it. Not every meal is good for that embryo. Not every meal or diet is good for that fetus. And you'll know it by how it is when you have to nurse that baby and it's allergic to everything you got. I'm just saying. So I want you, you know, as we talk about this, all of this took the time it took. I needed to do that. You know, I did. I needed to go through that journey. I, once I, once I, I got good sense, I stopped even talking back to my, my mothers in the Lord, because I realized if I'm talking, then I'm not listening. And if they shut up, I'll walk away with them still keeping what I came for. If you have a mentor and you have to keep proving that you're just as good as your mentor, you don't need a mentor. 
you need a companion. If you have a mentor that you must keep correcting, that you must keep developing, that you must keep informing and updating, you don't need a mentor. You need a companion. And you, and you better be right because my folk are surprised at how much I absolutely can deliver in the Lord. Still. Still. Because you think you know because of your prayer experience, your prayer closet. Your prayer closet probably has a whole lot of business between you and God, but it is a closet. It's not a sphere. It's not a realm. And it doesn't include his public. Is that good to know? What do you all think? Do you think that's good to know? Because, see, when I, when I told you, when I have a mentor, and if I get a mentor to talk too much, I, a mentee to talk too much, I never call them in my presence. I give them to somebody else. Let them break them in and tell them how it's supposed to be. Because sometimes you need some free mentoring. You know, you need pre-mentorship before you get your, you know, <laughs> yeah, before, look, pre-mentorship before you get the pre-mentorship. Some of you all should have been pre-mentored because you don't know how to shut up. You don't know how to listen. You won't heed. And it's always competitive. You're always competitive or it's always rival. You want to rival the mentor to show them how you don't need it. It's like going to university to prove to the professor that you don't really need to be in the class. Then why are you, why are you there? Get out. Go. Some of you all need pre-mentorship. Maybe that's a whole, the whole strata of mentoring that we need to have where we prep you for your mentor. Because some of you all need to be prepped because you let great mentors go by. You offended them. You insulted them. You misused them. You despised them. You dismissed them. You disdained their wisdom. And you let them go by. And by the time you realize what you did, they've gone, and they're not taking your call. They don't want to take your calls. If you want to apologize, you need to send it in an email because they're not doing it. I hope this is all right to say. And they'll accept your apology, but it's a rare case that they trust you again because you have to realize forgiveness and trust are not the same. We act like forgiveness equals trust. Forgiveness means I'm releasing you from any grudge or any um, any kind of a retribution or repercussions of, of whatever offended me. I'm releasing you from the offense because I'm, I've removed myself from this offense. I've not removed it from me, but I'm releasing you from its sentiment. So they'll, they'll, they'll release you. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. But that doesn't mean they trust you. You know, the problem is when you say God forgives, he forgets. That, first of all, that is not God. <laughs> he said he's going to throw your sins in the sea of forgetfulness in Isaiah to save you, not to let you run roughshod over it. And some of us, <clears throat> I guess I better get some water. I'll hit that. That's really good. Hallelujah. And so many you have taken that. See, God's smart enough to know the sinfulness of human flesh <clears throat> and the darkness and it's deviousness that, that we're all born with. So he knows that if he gives us carte blanche in anything, we are going to take it downward. Everything will go into a di- downward spiral because that's humanity, you know, that we build it like that. You're refrigerated. Wonderful, great refrigerator and something. And then four years later, we, it's, it's constantly deteriorating. So he can't have a carte blanche statement like, what I forgive, I forget. 
Because if God forgets, then why would we have books at the end of this time? And said, so and the books were open. And the books are open. So he, obviously, he has the books of you meeting the criteria of Jesus Christ, and we got the devil with the books of you meeting his criteria. And Jesus just happens to have access to both books. So you have people, you're praying for folks to come back to God that God doesn't want. He just wants them saved now. He doesn't want them in his service. He doesn't want to rehire them. He doesn't want to re-employ them or redeploy them because he knows the reasons that they did what they did still exist in their soul. And if it doesn't, theoretically, if it doesn't still exist in their soul, he knows that the people who remember it and the people they wounded and shattered and defrauded and deluded won't forget. So their faith in him cannot be revived or hurt. See, we have to see, there's a quickening uh, that God has to do to get people ready. I did all of this. You heard us say I did all of this for 30 years straight. But God had to get people ready so that the people's faith would be in what God has sent me to do. So when you have these ministers that fail and slip and slide and, and, and fall, and then they, they become a public shame or they fall into scandal, even if they repent, like really repent in their heart, God's like, okay, if between you and I, things are good. But it's kind of like the, the criminal that goes to prison and is put on death row and meets Jesus. Jesus said, the last thing I can give you, the best thing I can give you right now is eternal life. Well, we know that from the, the two prisoners and criminals that were on the cross with him. So that's his pattern. But you understand, I'm going to give you eternal life. But unless, I, unless what you do has a great work to me, you're going to die tomorrow. The woman who is sorry that she slipped into uh, a, a fornication, you're pregnant. You have to kill the baby, commit a second sin for the world not to know. But God cannot, won't trust you for that. Because when you, when you do things like that, his thing is, but you should have had faith in me. If you had faith in my forgiveness for you getting pregnant, you should have faith in my provision for staying that way, that I can get good fruit out of your error. So, again, we don't get it. So, with God, we tell you that it's in the sea of forgetfulness. That's a lie. And, and, and that. It will also inspire you to keep doing it because he's big, bold, burly God, and you're just a little old member of the body, so you can keep doing it. It's like the little toddler that keeps kicking you in the shin. The mother says, say, you're sorry, and the kid says, I'm sorry, and then goes off and comes back, kicks you in the shin again because it's little and you're big. So you have to think about when you do it, some of you all right now, you got you young prophets, you're just you you're listening to them old prophets, those those Eli prophets. So Eli prophet will tell you it's okay, God understands, and he, and he'll fix it when you get there. When you get there, you don't want the fix he has. I'm just saying. As a segue, I wrote a book that you know I'm getting ready to. We're going to kind of clean it up a little bit and put it out on the, mar- uh, the marker for you. And it's called, I just absolutely love this book. Oh, they can get it now. Yeah, you can get this now. And then um, and, and it's some of the things that's in this book, but it's called When God Goes Silent. 
And one of my young prophets in training made this statement. She said when she talked to God about something, talked to God about something, and then he gave her the answer, and if she didn't listen, she said he said to her, "I say so much, and you listen so little." I thought, that's a quote, and she said, God told her that. That's why I put God and not her. <laughs> and so it said, the, name of the, the title of the book is, When God Goes Silent, Living Life Without God's Voice. Now, if you're a prophet, apostle, or a genuine, authentic saint, you know, scripture saint, not just Bible version saint, Living without God's voice is horrible. There, is a, there are a number of you listening to me right now, and you are saying, yeah, and you are begging God. You would do anything if you could wake up in the morning and hear his voice one more time. You would do anything if you could get him to bid you good night before you go to sleep. You would do anything for a dream. Just one dream. Can we get a dream? Oh, don't you want it? Can you get a dream? Could you get a vision? You watch the up-and-coming prophets, and you can't help but warn them against taking that interaction and taking their present experience with God and encounters with the Lord seriously and valuing them. You want to warn them because you know that when you start out, if God keeps you in a constant state of euphoria, you're, everything is euphoric because you've come from a dead world to a living world. You've come from a dead God to a living God. So you're in this amazing state of euphoria. You can't even help. You're happy in the morning, happy at night. You can't pray enough. You can't read your Bible enough. And God can't say enough. And in those early days, you know nothing. So you have no alternative but to listen and hear. And you, you love him so much. He's done so much for you. You know you have to heed him. You want to heed him. You are in love with him. God sings in your soul all day long. He's got song after song. He is singing. He is quoting scripture. He's making connections in your soul, in your mind, with, between his voice, what is written, and how it looks in the natural world. It is an amazing experience. And for some people, it lasts a week, a month. For other people, it lasts years, a few people, decades. Now, <clears throat> I want you to hear this because you have to understand that God will keep it going as long as you are available. But the problem is you're going to meet the fam. You're going to meet the preachers. No, we don't. That's not what we do anymore. That is not of God. The Lord doesn't do that any longer. Well, we are not that kind of church, and you will be bringing that here. Okay, blow number one. You're going to meet the saints. Yeah, well, you know, I was like that. I was where you were until my son died, until I lost my job, until I, until I, until I. So you want to meet that, that group. And those are the, the literal, the re resenters. And they're the people who yell at God and fuss with him because they really want him to reverse the tragedies that they've lived or to restore the loss. And some of that cannot happen. So because he didn't, they become bitter. And a lot of them become atheists. Um, and then you have the other group that is interesting, and that is your church family. 
Yeah, well, you know, God you and I used to do that, but we don't do that any longer because I have matured. You mature past the Almighty? Baby, you probably don't even know the Almighty has set you aside. What you're calling maturity is calling his set aside. Okay? He has set you aside. And so you'll start meeting those people, and then you'll meet the people who are, have, have moved into heresy because their God's logic system and their logic faculties did not agree. So they had present world logic, and God is operating on eternal logic. So you have to, you, you're going to meet all of those. And if you're brandy new and the prophetic, et cetera, you got, and then you're going to meet those who, are, who have liberated themselves from God's holiness and liberated themselves from his righteousness, and these are the anything goes. These are your hedonistic Christians. They're hedonistic. Look it up, hedonistic. These are the people, pleasure of the flesh. That's the best translation of the word when Paul talks about that. The pleasures of the flesh. The pleasure. These are the people who say, you know what, I'll handle that spiritual stuff when I'm too old to have the fun I'm having. I'll handle it when I get older, when I, but just before I die. And so these are the people who absolutely must feel good about everything they do. And God doesn't feel good all the time because God feels very painful to the flesh, to sinful flesh. Because they are at odds with each other. Because it's Satan's flesh and it's God's holiness. And the two are fighting. So these are the people who will sit around and come to church for six weeks and then tell you they don't like it. They never liked it. These are the people who acted saved for three months and then told you they never were. And that they were just faking it. They really hoped salvation would catch them up and deliver them from their sins without their will, without their agreement, and without their participation. That's those people. So you're going to meet all of that. You're running the gambit. So you have the people who are free. Then you have the people who will take the beauties of God's word, and they will, you'll start talking about how wonderful it is, and you'll start sharing. Well, you know, we're not under the law. Now you're getting into the doctrines of devils and seducing spirits and the commandments of men. So you have to really guard your awakening in Christ. You have to guard it. You have to make sure that you understand all of these doors and gates that you're going to walk through. And if you can pass through all of them and still have the same Jesus that saved your soul, oh, you have a good future. You have a bright future. Because Jesus says narrow is the way to life, and few there be that find it. But broad is the way to destruction. So if you are a crowd follower, you will not make it. If you need public approval, you won't make it. And the reason is very clear. Times and seasons change. So when you, when you start, to me, I think, butting heads with God's righteousness, with his standards, with his way, with his personhood, you're going to find that you have hard calls to make every single day. You'll go to your friend's church because, you know, especially when you get saved, you know, and you've been like a little hellion before that, oh, the whole family want to take you to their church. You're going to have to figure out what church is the one that has you in its gut because you're not in the gut of a lot of churches. So you've got to figure that out. You're going to have to make some hard decisions regarding it. And then when you go on again and you move forward, you go and visit everybody's church. And then you go and you get an opportunity. The devil sends a couple of scouts to see this. Since you're going to go spiritual, let's see if you like the spirit of this versus the spirit of that. So you get those spiritual scouts. 
and they're coming to convert you. You know, now that we've awakened your spirit, your spirit becomes up for blood. That's how you all end up in all of that new age stuff after you get saved, and then you want to be a new age Christian. Christianity is older than new age, even if it has new in the statement. Just because it says new doesn't mean that it's new. It's new to this generation, but it is not new to creation. It's not new to eternity. It's not even new to time. You know, you all following all of that new age stuff and all of that yoga stuff as if it's first. And they're saying, well, you know, we were actually first. No, you weren't. And all y'all got, all of you all have a creation story and not one ends in Jesus Christ, which is the most logical path. You got creation stories that affirm you for being nasty, affirm you for being mad, affirm you for being addicted. They affirm your, your, your frailties, your failures, and your mortality. And that's very different. So, But you get caught up in that as a Christian because when you get saved or when you decide to answer your call, you have to be vetted. And God just lets the darkness vet the light because the light can't behave as darkness. See, the light's got to be right. And righteousness bears a fruit. Righteousness bears fruit. Righteousness tends to light. Righteousness has judgment. Darkness has uses righteousness condemnation against you to convert you into its darkness. Still, the trees talking, tree stuff is always, it's, everybody gets it. So, we, so God, you know, we keep saying, he said, I created the waster to destroy. What does that mean? It, that it's just a garbage collector? That it's just the, 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 the person who fills the landfill with trash? No. I created the race to destroy, to deteriorate, to blah, blah, blah. And you have to be vetted by that waster because God says, whatever you sow, you reap. And he says, the waster will prove his work when the person who belongs to Jesus Christ departs from iniquity, not reconciles with it. So a lot of people, a lot of Christians reconcile with the iniquity. Parents don't like it, daddy mad, kids pouting, all of that. God's like, that's fine. You can use that, and that'll work in this world. You got a whole lot of television shows now telling you family is everything. They drug family drug addicts, killers, murderers. They are, they, I'm telling you, destroyers of all kinds, and yet, yeah, but that's my family. So they, because they're your family, they shouldn't deal with the consequences of their actions. And because they're your family, you should risk everything to come to their aid. That's pagan. That's not Jesus. That's paganism. Those are pagan religions because family will always keep you out of destiny. It will always, always make you choose between its destruction and God's protection. So you have to understand that. You have to get, get all of these pieces. Now, these are just pieces and elements that I'm saying, but how about this? In this book, I'm going to read just a couple of pieces of stuff. Can I? Yes, I can. It's my show. I can read what I want. Glory to God. When God goes silent, you can get it at drpaulaaprice.com, or and when you go there, you go to the store, and you can buy it. If you are a person who trains prophets, every one of them should have this book. This should be in your curriculum. If you train prophets, if you train intercessors, you should do this. It should be in every group. See it, whatever you If you have a prophetic company, everybody should use it. You should be, because this is a safeguard. It's a safeguard. All right. So page 62, for those of you who have it, 
Is it? No, I'm sorry, 82. Page 82, for those of you who have it. When the Lord stops responding to a prophet's devotions or conspicuously ceases to answer prayers, it is a serious matter. His doing so can signal his displeasure. Let me get over here with a little more light. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Let that be nice. Okay. His doing so can signal his displeasure or concern over misconduct, indifference, or offense. On the other hand, sometimes God's silence can simply mean you need to get ready to shift gears and take your ministry in another direction. When this is the case, it is wise to take time out to seek his mind and will for what to do next. Usually before he goes silent on you for, many, for any reason, he will send you a few other prophetic voices to inform you of his intent. If you dismiss their words, God's doing what, what he prophesied can take you by surprise. When you run into trouble for ignoring him, he may choose to ignore your inquiry, inquiries or petitions in response for a season. Now, that's one. Are you coming up? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Thank you. So here's another one. Page 94. You might like this. When God seems harsh and you can say this, indifferent or brutal. When God seems harsh, indifferent or brutal. Any extreme adversity from God is unquestionably brought on by extreme worshiper or servant offenses that have morphed into full blown idolatry. No one knows this better than the prophets themselves. Um that distance and silence are his typical responses to it. As a matter of fact, their preparatory training with the Lord includes strong admonitions and disciplinary measures that warn his prophetic learners against taking him for granted. During their training, God imposes sometimes enigmatically harsh object lessons on his trainee prophets to etch his relational boundaries in their hearts and minds. Take Balaam's donkey that nearly crushed his foot and the angel with the sword drawn ready to take his life as example. Using, humilious, uh, using numerous humiliating and excruciating drills and simulations, the Lord embeds in all his prophet's souls the weighty cost of betraying him. Some warnings are subliminal and embedded in their consciousness to be used later to trigger specific reminders that warn them against potentially dangerous, dangerous acts or unbeliefs that amount to rebellion against him. Many a prophet can recall God's indisputably rough treatment in some of these uh, classes and how their chastening served to remove any thought of foolhardiness from them in the future. <laughs> I'd love to hear your comments. I'm going to read the last one. Is that all right? Yes, it's all right. This is under chapter 6, The Pain of God's Silent Treatment. For the active prophet who truly wears the resurrected Jesus Christ mantle of service, God's going silent ushers in the most painful and darkest period in their lives. 
Although compulsively, the first response of many prophets is to hide the inward suffering because only a handful of them feel safe enough to dare confide it to others. Now, that's unfortunate. You try to get healed, and you can't. You know, you can't get healed because. I want to get to one more thing. Last one, specific clues to God's silencing of prophetic ministers. For all of the above reasons, got to buy the book to get those, God's ceasing to speak to a prophet, let me see over here, to a prophet immobilizes his or her ministry until the messenger repents or defects. That means leaves God and turns to another source. As long as it is in effect, his silent treatment condemns the prophet's words to fail and downgrades predictions to mere divination because his features are the sole reason prophets exist. Also, the office's purposes and functions being so broad and its responsibilities so weighty being defined by much more than prophesying. The messenger's public ministrations are likewise adversely affected. To illustrate, you will notice in divinely silenced prophets and their ministers too, especially teachers, the reduced ability to give the mind of the Lord spontaneously. Repeatedly in the prophet's predictions, excuse me, repeatedly the prophet's predictions miss their mark or are applied to wrong situations. Opinions more and more replace true revelation as hunches and impressions are given to appear prophetic. Often these are accompanied by irrational theatrics or physical antics aimed at convincing witnesses that God is still moving with them. Some of you know what I'm talking about. One of the most ludicrous ones I have seen is the people who can constantly jerk and convulse in your presence to alert you that the Holy Spirit is moving upon them. Other antics include constant trembling, jitters, or inane mumbling. In addition to these, various manipulations are engaged in to keep up the facade, such as tricks, gimmicks, and trendy devices used to imitate divine communication. Most of all is the doctrine. It changes. Fresh manna gives way to stale bread. Old teachings and expired wisdoms are circulated. All in all, the greatest sign is an exit from the true and a return to the old-time religion or old eras, revivals, or environments of God's dealing with his people. The most notable one is an exit from grace and a new baptism into the works of the Old Testament law. And then there's a giant leap into the mystical, where the mystical religions of false God are peddled as enlightened Christianity or a rediscovery of what traditionalism supposedly suppressed as a cult. When God goes silent, living life without God's voice, again, I say so much, you listen so little. So this is available. A new edition will be out shortly, but this is available for your training and your answers and your readiness. Hallelujah. Has an extensive thing on Eli's sons and why God behaved the way he did and explains why others died. For those of you who know that account in scripture. Well, I think it's time for the gang to join me. Gang. The gang's all here. We got a gang. Amen. Well, hello. 
<laughs> good morning, good morning. Yeah. While they're doing it, I will, if any of us, uh, any of you who are in the studio with me right now have a question, I will answer one or two questions from you because you're here. <laughs> Not a question, huh? Okay. Speak out. You were talking about, you were speaking about when God goes down and the piece about um, the other guys coming in and taking over. Mm-hmm. Um, how would one begin to return back to God? Because they really do take on all of these forces in a whole other mindset, unbeknownst to them. Because in one part of their mind, they're still serving God, in which you talk about this culture practice Christian. I mean, a great question. Thank you for voicing it. The first thing we have to has to happen is that God has to give them repentance. In other words, God has to awaken, awaken the backslidden and the, and the defection or the apostate to His presence in the continuance of His presence in their soul. And this comes from uh, Timothy, Second Timothy, chapter two. It says, "But God has to give you repentance." Now, God will give you repentance. Because beneath all of this, as you said, there's still Christ. So when that heart starts coming into a knowledge of a, a, an inkling of the truth, it starts crying out because, the abuse, because of the abuse, because of their loss, because of the lack, because of the growth of their new creation spirit despite them, or simply because God needs them in his service again. So the first thing has to be repentance. And they, if the people who defect can't repent if God doesn't let them, because the reason that they repented is because they did not receive a love of the truth, so God allowed the delusion that they asked God to release them to, to overtake them. Mm-hmm. The reason they defected? The reason they defected. So the reason you defect is the reason that God allows your defection to work. It says when you, when people, because God warns you, Isaiah 66, 4 answers this. He warns you against this. This is not me, but you understand he's warning you from the inside, but your temptations, your tempters are outside, and you're spending more time with your tempters than your maker and your savior. So that's the first thing. God has to give repentance. When God gives repentance, that repentance begins with an awareness of where you are that's just wrong. You know, 1 Corinthians 7, 1, and, and, and I think a, a, a 7, 1 to 12, I think, but 7-1 says that you have got to let that new creation spirit gets dirty. We've been told that it doesn't, but your, your decisions affected it because spirit came in and dirtied your new creation spirit, just like it dirty Adam. And so it gets dirty. And when it gets dirty, what happens is as we go forward, when it gets dirty, then it, it begins to agree with your soul, and that cross-contamination begins to take over your mind. So you, you really, God has to deal with you. He said, he, you know, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, which means witchcraft will always promote and provoke rebellion, always. You want to know why you suddenly all mean about stuff? You need to pray. You need to pray because I'm going to tell you something. Those agents are doing what our intercessors do. So witchcraft will always provoke rebellion, which is why that's all you see on television. That's all you see in movies. And they all have that. They're telling you how they're getting it by that, that, that smoke of witchcraft, you know, their prayers. 
that incense, the date burn, for you to do it, to, to, to deal with it. So that's the, the second thing that you have, repentance and then understanding that it was rebellion. And then God says to you in Isaiah uh, 66, 4, that when you cease to serve God and you begin to serve or worship God your way or another way, he says he allows your fears and your delusions to come back upon you. Mm-hmm. And he brings that all the way to Thessalonians because you want to know how you got here. See, sometimes you need somebody to explain how you got here to get out. So now, and, and so then once that happens, then he says, if you don't receive the love of the truth, then God will what? He will send you strong delusion. In other words, he will take every one of his light, every one of his revelations and his elements of truth. He will take them out of you or he will shut them down. So that the only light you have is the light of the tempter that you've accepted in his place. So now we're in repentance. And repentance is very important because it's in that repentance you have to be guided by a leader, by a teacher, by a trainer, by an intercessor. And the first person to make sure you become, become aware of this is an intercessor. That's why, our, you know, we're so slack with our intercessors. And they are so lightly seen and lightly charged, and they're barely instructed. You know, I was trying to tell somebody on the phone call why an intercessor needs an education. If you are going to enter anybody else's life, yeah. Hello. Yeah. then you need some change, okay, because you are intervening, interposing, intermediating, interacting, see, so anything that's going to have you enter somebody else, you need training, don't assume it, you need to, I think all intercessors and prophets need a, a strong element of psychological education, which is why I developed biblical psychology, because you, how are you going to deal with souls you don't know so? All you know is your feelings and your impressions, so then you need that intercessor, that intercessor, and then you need that evangelist. Okay, and that evangelist is going to be the messenger of the gospel, bring it, bring it back online so that thing can begin to, to turn the light on it and energize all of those, of those new creation faculties that you shut down to begin to cleanse you and give you back. And you have to do all of that with prayer. You have to pray. When the moment that you start feeling like God is, 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 is like where you've gone is wrong, prayer. Immediately you've got to go to prayer. And that prayer has got to include repentance and petition. And you better not say it's because my mama I went to the dance, I got drunk, because God will not accept oh. repentance with excuses. Whoop. Hold on. Because they are contrary to each other. And from there, you have to get to a place where you get to meet your deliverer. Because you have to be delivered. And then after that, you have to get your, your rehabilitator. You have to be rehabilitated to the light, the cause, and the, um, the wisdom of the Almighty and the household of faith. So there has to be spiritual rehabilitators or what we have in our success center, soul rehabilitators, because you've got deliverance, but your body doesn't gotten the news. Your mind doesn't have all of the news, and your brain is still trying to stay in control. Right. See, and it's the enmity of your brain between you and Christ that got you here. Did you have a question? Um, in saying that, what are the times and symptoms when you deal with prophets or prophetic mentally? What does that look like? Uh, some of what I read, and then other times it's going to be with them constantly. First of all, it's going to be appearing. You will tell, you will know a prophet that has fallen out of God by how they change their attire. Because what you believe in your heart is what you model in your body. So because, you know, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks, but also out of the abundance of your heart come in. Uh, and, and Galatians 5 talks about the works of the flesh. 
and you're very worldly. They're very worldly. You know, those women with those, those yoga pants and those skin-tight pants telling you they're ministers, they are not full-fledged ministers of Jesus Christ. They have merged with other deities. Somebody is bankrolling their rebellion. If they're big, you better know it. Somebody's bankrolling it. So, and then those men, if, if, if you would just forgive the example, but I think the most clear example is Bishop Eddie Long. We met Bishop Long. He was, in, he, he was supposedly bringing back the dignity of the office. He came, he wore his robes, etc. And then he met the fam. And the fam began to ridicule him and pick at him and, and tell him that's old-fashioned, that's legalistic, etc., etc. And the next thing you know, he's in suit. Right. And then the fam got him again. And he's in muscle shirts. And when he got into muscle shirts, that spirit said, we're there. You are taking all of my instructions right away. Next thing you know, we got scandal. We got consequences. And we've got the grave. Now, I happen to have I think it's probably the most tragic things, one of the most tragic stories in church, in, in the modern Christian church, but it is the best example that you can see. Yeah. Watch your pastors and your leaders when they start wanting to minister for God in Satan's attire. When your pastor starts saying it doesn't take all of that, you need to ask what that is. When your prophet is telling you, yeah, but you know, I got to look like them so I can win them. You need to be concerned because you look like them because you feel you should be like them. There's an element of regret and an element of envy of their wickedness. And Tom says it, do not envy the wicked. Mm -hmm. But all of this here are the attributes and depictions of envy. So you you got an unmarried woman who's dressing whorish, while preaching Christ, you need to ha- ask about that. You need to, instead of saying, boy, they free like me. They're not supposed to be like you. Mm-hmm. See, that's the problem. We're not supposed to be like you. We're separated as priests yeah. to the most high God. The priests always have a higher attire. Yes. Or if it's a pagan priest, they always have a lower attire. And they're pushing toward nudity. So when you're preaching, a woman is preaching, and you're looking at her cleavage, she's not preaching for Jesus Christ. She's just using his script. Come on. Because if she got a message from Jesus Christ, the first thing he would have told you, strap down the girls and cover them up. <laughs> Doesn't he tell you that? I'm telling you, the first thing, and if, and if every time you turn around, you get to look at the cracker her behind, you need to understand she isn't representing Jesus. She is literally telling you who she serves. What do they say? Don't do as I say, do as I do. Yes. Right. So what you see me do right. is what they're doing. So if you see me be free, and I can call nudity and immodesty liberty, you need to understand that's a hedonistic spirit. Right. Mm. See, we're going to do a show on, remember the one I told you? We're going to do a show, and I don't know what week God's going to have me do it, but we're going to do a show on, is your church a brothel? Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Because, see, you might think you're going to church. 
and you're actually going to a brothel. Come on! Is your church a Because you, you and, and I can give you one of the first ways to know it is you go to one of those churches where they put a mattress in the pulpit. That's a brothel. They can play a brothel. So you got a mattress in the pulpit. And you're going to take the, the, the you know, the Kinsey sex class. You know, remember, we it started out with Kinsey, K-I-N-S-E-Y. And then it moved to Dr. Ruth. Dr. Ruth. So instead of a psychology office, you're going to have your mattress in the thing so you can get how-to lessons, like we don't have an Internet. So if your pastor thinks public, that's lewdness. If your pastor thinks public lewdness is part of the gospel that condemns it, you're attending a brothel. You're not in church. Stop calling to the church and say, I'm going to my weekly brothel. Gavel! Gavel! Yes! (laughs) Because ancient religions did that. You went to the temple to have public sex. That is why it's a pagan act. And don't tell me it's Christian because Jesus Christ condemned that and told you about what we already know. And so, and, and it's shame on you pastors, particularly you men, for uncovering your wives like that. And shame on you wives for allowing your husband to so degrade you that all the men in the church can salivate after you. Your husband is doing that to mess with those men. He's not doing it to help them. He's doing it to mess with those men so you can so they can strut around with the peacock strut and say, "Look what I got, and this is how I handle it." This is how I fondle it. Your husband is not doing that because he loves you. He's doing it because he has contempt for you as a woman. Because anybody with anything that they treasure, it is not put on public display. It's kept tight. Those men who you encourage your wives to look like oars, it is because you're pagan at heart. (laughs) That's a pagan way. And God said you shall not possess your vessel the way the Gentiles do. He says it in Thessalonians, does he not? Yes. You will not. He said, don't treat your vessels the way Gentiles do. That means having sex with them in public, stripping their clothes off, parading them before other men so that the men would be envious of you and think you are something because you got a, you caught a, a, a cute piece of flesh. It's still flesh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still flesh. It's like catching a fish. It's still flesh. You have to understand that, when, and women, I know some of you all are just so glad that y'all got to have a man, got to have a man, got to have a man. Y'all like those women in Isaiah, seven virgins will let one man marry them just because they don't want to be single anymore. So you are, I mean, that's the, that's the slingers and the singers right there. So you need to understand. Come on. Because, see, we keep reading this stuff to you, and you're like, yeah. And when we start reading it to you straight from the bottom, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> Falling on out Because you have heard it so many times It doesn't even gender a picture for you In your mind Nothing comes up from the words but boredom So I'm going to take these words And paint you a picture Because that's what I'm supposed to do 
So you're in a brothel if your church needs a mattress. That's a, no, that's the Holy Ghost. Study brothels. Study what they did and study yes. those ancient religions. I'm not saying what I don't know. Yes. Fertility religions, they had that. And many of y'all, before you saw long, they're going to have those little rooms around the pulpit for you to go in and get a quickie. That's right. Yes. And then we're going to have the little nasty bath downstairs for you to seem like you washing yourself. Wow. Because that's paganism. And we need to understand what is a pagan church yeah. and what is a Jesus church. Yeah. Wow. I could say Christian, but y'all messed that up. No, I know it's All right. You go, you go first. You want to go first? Oh, Okay. Sure. Yeah, no. like I got something to say after that. <laughs> hold on. Wait a minute. She said, hold on. <laughs> I did say, all right, mom. Why you? <laughs> uh, man, you said so many things today. Going back to the mentorship piece. <laughs> When you said uh, sometimes you need free mentorship. Yep. You like that? I do. Pre-ment. Yes. Pre-ment. Because you will waste so much time, one, not being ready. Yeah. Not being ready for God's best, not being best for, or being ready for God's average. I mean, just yeah. not ready. And some people <laughs> don't want mentorship. They do just want a, a sounding board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I just want to sound this off with somebody who knows and talk it through and work it through, but actually not believe that what that person is saying is best. Exactly. And if you can't believe that the person you call mentor isn't guessing, isn't spitballing, mm-hmm. you know, isn't, well, this is what you think God mm-hmm. is saying. Like if you're there, then that person really is not your mentor. Exactly. If you can't submit to that wisdom without having to take it back, weigh it yourself, do whatever. And you know what? Some people shouldn't be your mentor. Yeah, and some people shouldn't be mentors. Yeah. They really shouldn't because it's giving them inside information on things that they neither can comprehend or intend to do. Yeah. I like that. Me too. Yeah, that was good. (laughs) Did you want something? Sure. Okay. Oh, goodness. Um, You talked about you must depart from iniquity, not reconcile. I love it. You like yeah. it. Yes. I mean, we really do speak and communicate being so in love with your sinful life mm-hmm. and not call sin sin, not do, and no, but the statement you made about God will not accept repentance with excuses. Mm-mm. I no. think that's the statement right there that's down a lot of what's being taught mm-hmm. and preached right now. Mm-mm. Well, it was this. Well, until you can really say, and I even know that, you know, just about myself, if I'm still making excuses for why or running down a litany of reasons why, then I'm not ready to repent. Or I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, maybe I'm irritated that I'm caught. <laughs> I'm irritated that I have to be corrected. It's mm-hmm. true, right? It's true. Irritated, annoyed uh, that it's why, why is this an issue again? How come it's like in your teaching? It's just me. Why can't. And then those are the red flags, yeah. I would say, of a danger zone yeah. of where you're in that you may not even recognize. Well, and I love that. Listen to this. Repentance with excuses is a negotiation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're negotiating with God. Either he should change yeah. or he should indulge you and just understand you're going to do better one day. One day, right. eventually. Maybe. Maybe like when I'm with the people who really understand me. Yeah. Because at the end, what it boils down to is you just don't understand me, mm-hmm. and that's the reason why. 
and I am what I am, and you might claim to be maker, but I made me better. I remade me and my image and likeness. Well, because that's the way you see it. Yeah. It's just the way you see it. It's how I there am. There many ways to see something. And so I say to you, <laughs> it is. I mean, that's what and, we say when we're we defending ourselves. Yeah. But, but remember, if you have an excuse, then it's not a repentance, it's a negotiation. And God decides, I'm not going to negotiate this. This is unconditional. Now, there are some times that you can, like when you say, he who knoweth to do good and doeth is not a sin, okay, that could be an explanation. Not so much with God. God is like, because the act you committed was years in the making. Right, 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 right. See, that's what we don't want to admit. We think it's the moment that it's done. You realize that you go to a play, you watch a play in a moment. Right. But that play was years in the making. Yes, it, was. it picked up characters and definitions and a whole lot of things, movies, yes. shows, years in the making. Yes. So by the time you see it, it's new to you because it's new to the public. But it was in private years in the making. And so was your sin. Your sin didn't happen when you slipped. Your sin happened when you conceived of the possibility or began to entertain the notion of getting a break from Jesus. I want to get a break from this righteousness thing. I need a break. I want to have, you know, that's when you did it. And so it happened. So that means you're very much in control Mm -hmm. of your soul. You literally scheduled that thing to begin when you couldn't. Put it off any longer. So when when your will gave way to impulse, you were compelled to manifest. Because sin is not so much, when you get saved, sin is not so much the commission as it is the manifestation of what you've committed your will to bring into existence. So when it got to the point, you're, you, there was a trigger there that said, okay, restraint, 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 and you began to whittle at, whittle away at restraint. Until it became release. Wow. And so, and why do I teach like this? Because it's in your hands and it's in your power. This is DIY soul restoration, soul rehabilitation, or soul habilitation. Because some of us have never been rehabbing. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we didn't get any habits, so we can't be rehabbing. You know? Oh my. So you have to recognize that. You being control in control of your salvation, you know, the control they're talking about is, is exploiting and perverting what God restrains or restricts. But God's intent is that you be, become free enough to release yourself and free yourself from all the seductions and delusions that have put you in captivity in the first place. This is giving you your power back. See, the gospel is to give you your power back. Come on. You know, I'm, I'm just so excited. I'm not my soul. I'm just a little bit. See, you, and so you've been taught how to resent God as your captor and reinforce your captors as your savior and deliverers. That's your strategy. And that's the strategy. So you have to ask yourself, who's in control here? Who's in power? And then, you're, and then here's how you take yourself off the hook. Well, if the Holy Spirit wants me to do it, then I'll do it. And if the Holy Spirit doesn't want me, then I'll do it. The Holy Spirit the Holy did all he's Holy. going to do. 
That's why he's the Holy Spirit, because he's dealt with all your unholy spirit. See? So you have got to decide who's going to be in power. And that is, and what did he say? Choose ye this day whom you will serve. Peter comes down the end and says, whomever you yield yourself and your members to obey, he and all the apostles, because Peter said it once all did, that one becomes your God. That's right. You choose your God every second of the day. You either choose your God or you reinforce your choice. Okay. You must ratify your choice every day because the world is not heaven. This world is for vetting those who deserve eternal life above or beneath. And Satan's job is to separate those who inherit eternal life, not above. His job is to, you keep saying, well, I don't know why he won't let you go. He's doing his job. His job is to make sure nothing that is unlike him ever or like him ever enters God's presence again. That is his job. He can reproduce all he wants. He just needs to keep his reproductions out of God's world. Are you ready? Oh <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? She talked about my favorite book, actually, of Dr. I told Frank. Did I say that? Yeah, my favorite book. I love all her books, but I really, I really, I've read this one multiple times. There's something in there that you didn't mention that I think that people should know it's in there. At the end, when after you finish getting through this journey of this book, there are 20 steps to restoring your relationship with God. It's a very important part of this book um, to kind of help you understand how to make your way back. Um, and it has proven to be extremely helpful for me, and I use it for mentorship and counseling too because a lot of people are in this spot right here that God is silent, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So Definitely I wanted to number. speak to that today because I think that you bringing out this book is so important. A lot of people are right at this spot right here. Mm-hmm. And you also talk about in this book why it takes so long for uh, a for you to know that a minister has fallen from grace. Mm-hmm. That's such a question people have. You know, well, huh. if God if God doesn't approve of them, why is he blessing them? If God doesn't approve of them, why is their church big? You know, this is a question that a lot of people still have right now. You know, we come against a lot of things on this show, and people are looking at the, mm-hmm. you know, the outward of it, and they're going, oh, that can't be right because that minister has a full house or this, that, and the other thing. And you talk about in this book how long it actually takes for the grace of God to dry up. Anyway, y'all got to get it. Y'all got to get it because because that that revelation right there was like, you know, the emoji where the mind's blown. (laughs) You know, because she talked about the fact that the grace of God is so potent and powerful that it can take 20 years sometimes for the for it to completely dry up where you have no more residuals, you have nothing, which is why there can be a gap between when a church dies or when a minister's a death sentence has been put out in their ministry, and then you actually see the mm-hmm. death of the ministry. Yep. That even that isn't overnight either. And you, you, you talk about Eli so much in the book. There's so many revelations, mm-hmm. you know, understanding Eli's uh, past. Mm-hmm. You talk about his past with God. You talk about what got Eli to the point that he let his sons do this. Like okay. what his own disillusionment. Y'all, you've got to get this book. I tell people that they look at that and they think, oh, I don't need that book. God talks to me about you need this book, and especially if you are a prophet, you need it because she explains so many things. You also talk about uh, why um, Uzzah, I think, mm-hmm. was struck yeah. uh, at, but from touching the, the ark, like everything. You, listen, y'all, 
y'all got to get this you can because see you're gonna program. you're gonna be really really changed by this. Um, and I haven't even talked about the revelation of the Holy Spirit as a skin, but you're Woo! gonna be so changed by this. And if you've been looking for books and material, because a lot of people look for books and material on the Holy Spirit, I always recommend this book, and they're like, really? I mean, I don't know if they take my word for it or not, but there's such powerful revelation in this text mm-hmm. about the Holy Ghost and where you're seeing a lot of Dr. Price's wisdom come from in terms of that. You got to get this so that you can understand even where she's coming from when you're talking about the Holy Spirit in that perspective. It's powerful. So I wanted to speak on that because there's so many powerful things in there. Well, I'm letting you speak. Did you say I'll let you speak? <laughs> it's so good. It's and, so you know, good. And, and, and unlike most of my books, this one here is only one. What's in 165 yeah. is in his book. Big print, you know. But you will not be any less laid out. No, you'll be laid Probably out. Probably more. You'll be stuck in some chapters. I'm going to tell you that right now. You'll be crying a little bit. There's some weeping that will happen as you go through this book. Maybe a little bit of nasty. A little bit. Because you're just just recognizing things that you've done. Um, There's a lot of realization you'll go through as you're reading this book. You'll think that you and God have this incredible active relationship and you're going to this book and you're realizing there's gaps in that relationship that there's times where you're not hearing him and it is difficult um but it's very eye-opening to kind of help you i love that the end is to help you make your way back to come back steps are not easy but i'm glad they're there to kind of help you to understand not easy not easy. Psalm 51 wasn't easy for David, him coming back after Bathsheba. That wasn't easy. And and the losses that he took before that, you know, um, and think about some of the wording that he's using in that psalm as well. That's difficult for him to have to say that. You know, yep. I, mean, I'm, I completely made myself, you know, useless to you, you know. So there's just, I mean, it's powerful. You've got to get this text, you guys. You've got well, to get this if text. you're watching on Facebook right now, the link is pinned at the top of the comments. You can go directly to the e-store where you can choose to purchase the e-book version or the paper version of the book. And I think the e-book is 10 bucks. I mean, it's mm-hmm. That's okay. Um, 12, guys, 12 tips at the end. You just want to be 20. I know, right? But, I, I thought, I no, but these I are so long, 20. we could break them down to 20, but out of all. There's more, trust me, it, it feels like more than 12, because there's, there's several different steps. Yeah, yeah, but like this one, this one here is a whole page. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight, give God issues, concerns, and interests first place in your life. Do not fall into the trap of giving him excuses when he calls on you to do something for him or beg off when he uh, reaches out to you. That's a common one. It's good. I wanted to say this. Can I just, because we got a few minutes. The effects of God's silent treatment. Yeah. God's silent treatment can create a very lonely world for a prophet or any minister for that matter, especially his leaders. When it happens, some of them get worn out with wrestling with it in secret for years, never being able to seek help from others. To glimpse what such an existence looks like from the inside, think about Saul, Israel's first king. He failed God because he trivialized those things the Lord held dear, his beloved kingdom, his, his holy word, and his sanctified priesthood. When Saul violated God's priesthood and disobeyed his command, the Lord reacted to his misconduct harshly because he stood in authority over his people. As king, his disobedience would and eventually did seriously pervert them. Saul's presumption exposed his disrespect for what the Lord decreed as holy to him. That disrespect, when observed by followers, authorizes them to treat his hallowed priestly institution so common 
and his ministrations with contempt. So when you, when a leader says God and I are cool, God does not want you to make the people think God is cool. He wants you to hallow him before the people. He says, hallow me. So the fact that you and God had a moment, maybe y'all had a great weekend, had a good little retreat, you know, Mm -hmm. went off on a cruise or something, y'all came back closer than ever, that's your personal devotion. Never confuse God's response to your individual personal devotions with what God has established as institutional for his kingdom. Because people weren't on that retreat. The people that you touched, they were not on the cruise. They did not have that. Half of them were probably at the base of the mountain horse. <laughs> well, somebody was. Some of them were hauling. Well. Others were sitting there still asking the questions that you've gotten answers to. Others were sitting there saying, I just love the Lord. And I'm so glad my pastor got it together with God, so I'll just follow the leader. So there are so many reasons why you don't want to uh, universalize anything that happens between you and Christ as a leader in your private life. You know, there are things that God says to me in private and things that he permits in me in private because of all that I've lived and all of that, that I stand up and I said, no, like, and God says in the Bible, no, 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 don't you let the people do this. I'm most, this is for you. But don't let the people do this because they don't have a mind toward me to understand my motivations, what I'm doing, why I'm doing what I'm doing, and what I need from them both individually and corporately. Okay. Okay. I'm going to do one more. Okay. You talked about that we must be vetted by the waster, and I love that. That was so yeah. powerful um, just because yeah. of just looking at, um, I think that coincides so much with many of the, the, the icons of Scripture, if you will, that mm-hmm. God used heavily. They were so vet- they were vetted. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were put through so much to get to that place. So I thought that was really, really powerful today, you talking about that. Um, you got to be able to stand up against, I guess, all the weight that's coming against you to prove that you actually are worthy of the things that God's about to give to you or the, mm-hmm. what the, the dispensation that he's laying upon you. So that was a powerful thing. There were many things, but I know but we're kind of running out of way. time. The waster gets rid of your weight. It sure does. It gets rid of all your waste. His job is to squeeze that waste out so that you God is pouring into a pure vessel. So all of those soul toxins and things like that, the waster is to destroy them in you without destroying you. Like Job, he destroyed all Job's waste. He just didn't destroy Job. Now, Job had a lot of waste. That's a lot of waste. Wow. He had tons of waste. So I'm excited about this. I hope you enjoyed this. Did you all enjoy this? Yes, my family, my team. Hey, we are one, and we have a destiny to represent Jesus Christ and fully manifest him in all the earth in righteousness and truth. This is not just about the church. It is about the citizen of God's eternal nation, the nation of Jesus Christ, after the order of Melchizedek. You want to raise off of that? Yes. Guys, time to pass, please. <laughs> we're going to take offering right now. Rachel's going to put the information on the screen for you guys. There's three ways that you can give today. PayPal.me slash Dr. Paul Price. 
or Cash App. The handle there is Dr. Paul Price, no spaces. And then, of course, you can do text to give, 918-608-1378, 918-608-1378. Three ways that you can give on the program today. We can't do this without your generosity, and we can't do this without your obedience. It's time for you to go ahead and sow your seed today. Again, those three ways we're just going to put on the screen for you guys right now. I need you to take a moment to sow into this life that has blessed you so much. You know you're blessed today. You know you got the good. So let's take a moment to sow. It's a really important part of this program. Also, um, we, you all have heard us talk about the Soul of Success webinar. Well, we want to promote that around the world, around the country, and I need your help. So when you're sowing today, earmark what you want us to use for the promotion campaign. It's starting with electric billboards, and then it's doing around our city, and then we'll just keep moving out so that we can begin to uh, let people know God has soul healers yes. and soul rehabilitators and soul habilitators. Some of us need to start at the beginning. And so we, I really need your help. You all have been great, and, and that's how we got to this point, because of your generosity. Let me never forget that generosity, because some of you all, I tell you, God is grateful, and I know it because he lets me know he moved on you to do it, and so I pray for it. If you notice that I answer you on Cash App, I don't just ignore it. So I, I want you to sow the best seeds you have and then maybe become, because this is a monthly commitment that we have, and the commitment is, is, is important. We need to be able to keep this going so that we can do it. This is a, uh, what you would call, I always say apostles are curers and carers. So help us take the cure to the nations and care for their wounds. We want to care for your soul. And so do that again. Give them the information one more time. Right. You'll be a part of it. Text again, 918-08-1378, paypal.me slash Dr. Paul Price, and the cash app handle is Dr. Paul Price. I love you guys. Do you have it? You have three minutes to say something, you know. Amen. Yes, this campaign is the beginning of our citywide presence that we're taking to the next level. And so when she was talking about digital billboards, we have a, a whole lineup of marketing and promotion that we want to do and will do around town. Doors are opening in our city for our apostle and opening up in other cities for our apostle as well. So this is not something that we're just like, oh, we just hope this is a strategic campaign yes. to spread the word and to give her face time, starting in Jerusalem, <laughs> and then we're going abroad. We already have a lineup based on statistically where her followings are around the country. And so this is the beginning of what we're doing. This will provide the increase for the increase. Mm -hmm. It's very strategic in shooting season two of taking it on with Paula Price. So uh, when she's talking about sewing, investing, partnering with us, we need you and we want you to partner in our media campaign of FaceTime. This is your FaceTime, FaceTime. campaign. Well, we needed. I, I was surprised when we were on Atlanta Live, one of the people in the audience said, I didn't know she wrote the prophecy. I didn't know she was a sister. I got that book. I have that book, book and up, I didn't know, know that. I didn't know that. A lot of people don't know, don't put my face with the work yes. that I've done or the, the mileage that I've gained. This is going to give me an opportunity to put my face with it. And as you see to this campaign, you are enabling us to accumulate the funds we need to start retaping because our producers are still happy about doing it to um, take the next season of 
taking it on with Paula Price. Well, until then, have a great weekend. We're going to see you Sunday at 8 o'clock for Sunday School at the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands. And after that, 11 o'clock Sunday service. Until then, I mean 10 o'clock. Always say 10. Central. And do me a big favor. If this was a blessing to you, share, share, share. Share, share, share. And then share it again. God bless you. Have a great day. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.